You're listening to a Soulfire Productions podcast. Welcome to Wellness Realness, where we get very real about all things health and wellness, physical, mental, financial, and spiritual. I'm your host, Christina Rice, a nutritional therapy practitioner and energy healer turned holistic business coach for ambitious entrepreneurs. And I'm here to help you up-level every aspect of your life. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You can find an endless amount of content from me and join my online membership at christinaricewellness.com. And if you want exclusive behind-the-scenes content and my most unfiltered self, DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to Wellness Realness Crew on Instagram and request to follow my super secret account. You can also join the Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe Facebook group to hang out with other listeners in the crew. Get ready for some wellness realness. Today's episode is a very important one because it is all about boundaries. We all know I have a lot to say on this topic. Boundaries are so incredibly important in relationships, in business, for our mental health, our physical health, our personal development. When we don't have boundaries, this bleeds over into every aspect of our lives and has a huge impact on our energetic bodies as well. And when we don't have boundaries, sometimes we think we can handle things, but then over time it wears us down in one way or another, whether that shows up in our physical health, our emotional health, mental health, or energetic imbalances. And I really think, I mean, for me, just my overall happiness levels, my health, and my success in every sense of the word is directly correlated to how much I stick with boundaries. So today I have a boundaries expert on the show. Today I'm chatting with Nancy Levin, who is a master coach and best-selling author of several books, including her latest, which is called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. This is a must read if you struggle with setting boundaries or just want to learn more about this topic, which I think everyone does slash should. Nancy has a really incredible personal story that I think you'll find very interesting. She was formerly the event director at Hay House for over a decade. I may or may not be manifesting a book deal from Hay House, just putting it out there. But she's also the creator of Levin Life Coach Academy and offers in-depth coaching and training programs to support clients in making themselves a priority and setting boundaries that actually stick. So if you have trouble setting boundaries, this episode is for you. A lot, a lot of great information in here. Some of you might have already seen the video interview, which is up in my up-level membership. If you didn't know, I post pre-released podcasts a couple months before they come out, the video versions in my up-level membership, which is my monthly membership, in addition to hundreds of hours of video trainings, Q&A calls exclusive healing protocols, blog posts, recipes, workouts, two free workout guides, online courses like my program Wellness Foundations, which literally covers everything you need to know to optimize your health and wellness in addition to sneak peeks of other courses like Ditch Your Acne and the Paleo Woman Lifestyle Program. Plus monthly live Q&A calls with me and the other women in the community and a private forum so that you can connect with other members of the community. And I'm adding in 
bonus live video calls for just kind of like hangout time because I feel like I want to just foster as much community as possible. And so it's nice just to have open space of people who get it and we can just hang out, have girl talk and see what comes up. If you're not already a member, you can join by heading to christinaricewellness.com slash membership. It costs 20 bucks a month to join and you get literally tens of thousands of dollars worth of information and you can cancel anytime. I also wanted to remind you that enrollment is open for the brain rewiring certification program. So if you're interested in becoming a brain rewiring certified coach and being trained by me and my business partner, Rachel Barber, now is your opportunity. This is a six month certification program and you will learn how to rewire your own brain for abundance, opening up money blocks, bringing in more money, more clients. Then you will learn how to use brain rewiring with your own clients in your own practice. So you'll be trained in the nine step brain rewiring process to help clients get unreal results using the power of their minds. And this can apply to so many different goals, whether it be weight loss, healing from chronic illness, overcoming anxiety and depression, manifesting in their dream partner, making more money. So whatever type of coach you are or whatever type of coach you want to be, this will be an invaluable tool. And of course, you will learn how to be an effective coach as well as business and marketing strategies that actually work so you feel set to go when it comes to marketing and building your business. It's truly an all-in-one program and there's nothing else like it out there. Spots are already filling up and there are limited spaces available. So if you want to become one of the first brain rewiring certified coaches out there and you are ready and excited to build a very successful coaching business, then now is your time to apply. Enrollment is open and enrollment will only be open until July 13th. We start the course July 15th. And like I said, spots are filling up. So you can head to brainrewiringcoach.com to learn more and to apply. Speaking of business, shifting energy, changing brain patterns, I get asked all the time what some of my other favorite podcasts are. And I highly recommend checking out The Uncensored Empath by my friend Sarah Small. She's been on this show as a guest before. If you're interested in all things business, spirituality, overcoming chronic illness, surviving life as an empath, then you will love her show. Sarah's Worth supports empaths and highly sensitive people to create the body, business, and life they love by blending energy, neuroscience, spirituality, and intuition, all of the good stuff that you know I love. So if you love this show and you're interested in those topics, then you will definitely love The Uncensored Empath hosted by my friend Sarah Small. So if you want to check it out, just head on over to Apple Podcasts and search for The Uncensored Empath. I think it's about time we hop into this interview with Nancy Levin. So enjoy this conversation about all things boundaries. If you are looking for the easiest biohack ever to transform your sleep, which will transform your health and life on so many different levels, then you need a pair of high quality blue light blocking glasses in your life And I want to emphasize the high quality part. There are a lot of blue blockers out there on the market and a lot of them are not legit and aren't actually doing their job. So I don't want you to fall for all of these marketing schemes. You know, I'm all about wellness realness and that's the realness is that a lot of companies are just trying to take your money and aren't producing high quality products. And that's why when it comes to blue blockers, 
My favorite pair and the company I trust is Blue Blocks. They are the only company that offers blue light filtering lenses backed by the latest science. They don't make any substitutions that will sacrifice the quality just to save costs. And trust me, you will notice the difference. They have three lenses. Their Sleep Plus Red Lens, which is a 100% blue and green light blocking lens for after sunset use. So when the sun goes down, you put on the Sleep Plus Red Lens to help improve your sleep, reduce your anxiety and relax you so that all of that blue light doesn't affect you because I know you're still looking at your phone and your TV and your computer. Let's be honest. And for during the day, you can either use the blue light clear lens, which is a blue light filtering lens, best for people who work under more natural lighting during the day, or you can use a summer glow yellow lens, which is blue light blocking meets color therapy. And this is best for people who work under more intense artificial lighting during the day. Both the blue light clear lens and the summer glow yellow lens will help reduce migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, and digital eye strain. And the Summer Glow Yellow Lens will also help protect you against anxiety and depression that might come on seasonally for you. That's where the color therapy comes in. So the protocol I would recommend is either getting the Blue Light Clear Lens or the Summer Glow Yellow Lens for daytime, and then the Sleep Plus Red Lens for the evenings and the Remedy Sleep Mask to wear while you sleep because it is a 100% light blocking sleep mask that makes the world of a difference for improving your REM and deep sleep cycles. I have tested these products with my Aura Ring and they work. Using Blue Blocks glasses will not only help you get the best sleep of your life, but they'll also end up giving you more energy during the day. You'll feel more relaxed. You'll get less headaches. You will just feel happier. You'll be far more productive. As an entrepreneur, I need these to be my most productive. And this helps to balance many different hormones, your sleep hormones, your stress hormones, your sex hormones, and your hunger hormones. Yes, this can literally impact your weight. Blue Blocks has about 20 different frames to pick from. So you will definitely find ones that you love. I always get compliments on my blue light blocking glasses because they're actually stylish. A lot of other companies make these not so cute looking glasses. Blue blocks are the best. You can also send in your own frames if you want those to be turned into blue light blocking glasses. And they also offer a custom made prescription service as well. So if you want to get your hands on the most effective, highest quality brand of blue light blocking glasses out there, then just head on over to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And you can use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, that's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. And next time you're wearing them, take a selfie on Instagram, tag me on social media, tag Blue Blocks, and that way I can see which frames you got. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've been so excited to chat with you today about all things boundaries, which is a hot topic, especially (laughs) right now. But for people who might not be familiar with your work yet, can you just tell my audience a little bit about you and what you do? Sure. So uh, I would really say that the me who I am now was born (laughs) uh, when my marriage blew up. And uh, I had been the event director at Hay House. I was the event director there for 12 years. Hay House, for anyone listening who doesn't know, is the international publisher of personal growth and uh, self-empowerment material. And so I was uh, traveling around the world, producing live events with our authors, pretty much every big name in the self-help genre I have worked with. 
I had a front row seat backstage pass, and yet none of their teachings really landed in me until I was going through my own crisis. And so as I began rebuilding my own life, part of that journey was working with a dear friend of mine, the late Debbie Ford, who was really instrumental in me being able to begin to connect the dots to really look at the to really look at the map of my life and look at the constellation of each point and so as i began doing the deep inner work to heal myself i ended up doing a year long coach training certification with her and on the other side of that training i was really unrecognizable from the woman i was when i began it so it became very clear to me that I wanted to leave my job, even though it had been my dream job, but I wanted to really spend some time building my online platform, getting coaching clients, and pursuing, uh, pursuing writing books and going out in the world as me. So about six years ago, I left, I left that job, and uh, here we are. I'm five books later. And, uh, <laughs> and wow. uh, I know, and uh, several coaching programs. I just launched my coach training and certification program last fall. Once Debbie passed, there was a real gap in the need to train coaches in a particular way that I really wanted to step into. So I launched that training program. And uh, yeah, that's sort of the little overview. <laughs> wow. I mean, we'll have to talk about how you did five books in six years later. <laughs> that's very impressive. But I want to go back further. So yeah. let's go back to your marriage blowing sure, up. Sure, sure. Tell me about what, what do you mean when you say it blew up? So uh, I got home from, a, from an event, from a Hay House event, to discover that my then husband had read my journals. And so very long story short, and it's, it's in all of my books, uh, what he discovered was that I'd had an affair eight years prior. And I was living in a marriage where I, even though I was a powerhouse at work, I was silent at home. My mm -hmm. husband was very controlling, very rageful. And so in order to keep the peace and in order to be able to stay, I essentially had to cross all of my own boundaries in order to be able to make the marriage work. And I spent, I spent our entire time together, an 18-year marriage, really wow. losing myself. So living in a marriage where, you know, as the relationship progressed and as we became more enmeshed, I continued to sublimate my own wants and needs in service of his. And so by the time that we got to this place, I really had, I had choices. I could either, you know, go back to sleep, continue projecting this image of perfection to the world, managing the perception of others, giving people a particular lens to see me through. I lived my life by the motto, never let them see you sweat. So I never wanted anyone to really know what was going on in the truth of my marriage or the truth of my world. And, or, you know, the choice I made, which was ultimately making a big jump. And mm -hmm. so it took me about two years to leave the marriage once that event occurred because the people pleasing was so ingrained in me. The conflict avoiding was so ingrained in me. They, the not rocking the boat, all of that was so ingrained that I was just trying to do everything I could to keep 
really harmony at all cost. But the problem is when we think that relationship is about harmony at all cost, it comes at a very high cost. Mm-hmm. It comes at a really high cost to us. So was he like really deep in your journals or was it something you had written about recently? Like if it was eight years ago? Yeah, he was really deep in my journals. Wow. I mean, that's a huge violation. It's, it's interesting because it's like you both cross boundaries in different ways. Yeah. It w- I mean, yes, huge violation all the way around. Wow. So what was that night like? Like what, what happens in that moment? You know, you come uh, home. Yeah. I, I got home from the airport. I mean, the, the longer part of the story is that, mm-hmm. that, you know, I was at the San Diego airport mm-hmm. on my way home and a voicemail had come in as I was going through security. And he said, you know, you better get your ass home. There's hell to pay. And I read your journals, there's hell to pay. And so I ended up, you know, flying back home. I, at the, at the advice of a friend, uh, I booked a hotel room close to my condo. I walked over to my condo, walked up the stairs and he was holding four volumes of my journal. And he said, you know, if he said, I'm going to make copies of pages and send them to your friends, your parents, your sister, and your coworkers, and let's see what they think when they, when they know the real Nancy. So he really knew that my greatest fear was any sort of exposure. And he, it was really uh, the hot button for him was to, Mm. was about exposing me in a certain way. And so I did leave the house that night, even though it took me time to leave the marriage. Um, The next morning, he made threats saying that, you know, if you're not home in 20 minutes, I'm going to call your parents. So I got on the phone with my parents and I said, it's highly likely that we're getting divorced. And my mother said, what happened? And I said, you know, he read my journal, discovered I had an affair eight years ago. And my mother said, without missing a beat, my mother said, I'm so sorry to know you've been carrying this around all by yourself for eight years. Wow. So how did that, did that change your relationship with, with your mother? So I always say that the, that the dissolution of my marriage was the great healing with my mother. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. Very much so. What was your relationship like with her before? So I was born into what I call a mourning family. My parents had a child before me who had been born what they called back then in the 1960s, diagnosed mentally retarded. He was, uh, you know, there weren't the tests that there are now. So they didn't know anything was wrong with him until he wasn't doing the things that babies do. He wasn't rolling over, sitting up, raising his head. So when he was two years older than I, so when I was born, uh, my mother And I've had the adult conversation where she said to me, you know, I was waiting to see what was wrong with you. So I didn't want to attach to you right away. Wow. So what happens when this occurs, you know, when we're, when we're young, usually under 10 years old, this is where our limiting beliefs are formed. This is where our shadow beliefs are formed and they're formed because significant events occur when we're too young to process and digest what's happening in a healthy way. So we start to draw conclusions about ourselves. So for me, the imprint was, you know, there were several imprints. One is there must be something wrong with me if I'm under this much scrutiny, if I'm not worthy of attention in this particular way. Um, 
there was also, so my brother went on to die, I should say that. So there was also the uh, belief around if, if I'm not perfect, like my brother, I will die. So thus began the, the quest for perfectionism. Also some version of better I be self-sufficient and independent and have no needs because his needs are more important than mine. So these are the beliefs I you know, go out into my life with. And then these are the beliefs that because our beliefs are magnetic, we're going to draw toward us people, places, relationships, situations, circumstances that reinforce and corroborate our beliefs. So everything I experienced in my childhood really led me right into my marriage, Mm. you know, and, and especially from the place of trying to heal a grief in my parents that couldn't be healed, Mm -hmm. trying to be more than one child for them. So bigger than I am, more than I am, you know, these beliefs around, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. So I, I often say that on the day I met my husband, it was literally as if he said to me, hi, I'm broken. And I said, well, great. I'm superwoman. I can fix you. And so, you know, I, I wanted to try to write something that I couldn't write as a child. Mm. That's a, that's a big weight to carry. It's a very big weight to carry, especially when we think we can swoop in and rescue or fix or save someone else, which Lord knows I've tried, but it's the impossible. So how did you start to realize all of this? Uh, It was actually through my work with Debbie Ford, through my coaching, uh, working with one of her coaches, Mm -hmm. and ultimately going on to my coach training that I was able to really map together these pieces of my life and, and recognize where the beliefs stemmed from, recognize where different uh, commitments were coming from, who I was honoring, what I was honoring, what was out of alignment. And, uh, and so from there really emerged the way that I could begin finding my way through my own truth to my own truth so that I could start living in alignment and right relationship with myself. So. Yeah. yeah. And so, and you said like through that, you came out a completely different person, a completely different Nancy. So Tell me more about like what changed in you. What did you let go of and what did you bring in? I really was able to make the shift from, you know, being people pleasing, peacekeeper, conflict avoider, uh, hider. You know, uh, I do believe that we all that we all think that there's some part of us that we have to hide in order to be loved and accepted. So either it's, a, you know, it can be a quality it can be an attribute or it can be, you know, a skeleton in the closet secret. But we, we all have this thing that, oh, if you knew this about me, you wouldn't love me. And so part of, the, part of the work that I did with Debbie and part of the work I continue now is really diving deep into the shadow around what are these disowned parts of ourselves and how do we actually own and integrate and reclaim these parts of ourselves that we've denied. Mm-hmm. And then once we, you know, it's really the impulse of the soul to be whole. So once we can reclaim these lost parts of ourselves, we're no longer, we're really no longer living in the voice of the critic. We're no longer living in the voice of self-judgment. From there, we can actually step into the self-love and the self-care and the self-nourishment. So that was an enormous shift in my life. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, as you became 
sort of this new new Nancy um how you how did that affect relationships you had formed before then because I know for me I've gone through like experiences where I came out a completely different person like I Mm -hmm. think of myself six years ago and I don't recognize her in all of my Mm -hmm. all the relationships I had formed before then I just I don't connect with anymore right Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just curious how that was for you like coming out a new person and like seeing the world in a different way having more boundaries how did that affect your other relationships yeah you know I I definitely shed some relationships I by nature, I'm not a hugely social person. I'm not someone who's ever had a whole bunch of friends. And so the core of my friends have, have remained. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, you know, probably even in the last 10 years, made closer friend, friendships than people that I'd known for a long time. So, you know, I have a very small core of, of friends and my sister and mm-hmm. who, you know, who are really who are really dialed in with my life and that's, and we're all on the same page about what's what. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that when we do change like this, you know, it's often also holding up a mirror to the people in our lives who, who are feeling confronted by the fact that they're not making their own changes. Mm. And so that's part of what happens in the shedding of relationships and in the reassessing and the recalibrating around the relationships that are really going to hold yeah. And I think also it's interesting how you said the relationships you've formed in the last 10 years are deeper and closer mm-hmm. than before. And so what do you think it is that made that so? Because I, for the first time in my life, showed up as me. You know, I would say that, you know, pre, uh, yeah, really, I would say in the last 10, 10, 11 years, but pre that I was, you know, first of all, what made me exceptional at my job at Hay House was the fact that I was actually boundaryless. Mm. Fact that I was, you know, that I would do anything for anyone. I was constantly seeking external validation, constantly chasing the gold stars, the approval, the accolades, and I got it all. And the thing is that when we're chasing gold stars, no amount of gold stars will ever be enough to fill the void because we're chasing something externally that needs to be resolved internally first. So having done the internal work and being able to emerge as me and being able to show up as me revealed, unmasked, no cape, you know, just being able to be me, the relationships are true. The relationships are deep. The relationships Mm -hmm. are intimate. I think that's part of why it's so difficult for people. What you're saying, how our society kind of rewards people who don't have boundaries. I I think (laughs) our society definitely does. I think that it's, you know, this whole idea of, you know, I talk a lot about in my work around, um, you know, reclaiming selfish Mm. because we've, you know, we've pushed selfish away to such a degree that, that what happens is we push away selfish. We, then pride ourselves in being selfless and society really rewards selfless, especially women. And yet in selfless, we vanish. We're gone. We've disappeared. That's true. People have a really negative association with the word selfish though. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you start working around that? 
So, you know, I, the first thing I'll always say is I believe selfish self-love and self-care are three sisters whose job it is to support us in honoring ourselves. And what I was saying before about disowned qualities, you know, if we reject selfish, I can be, I can assure you that as soon as you reject selfish, you will start drawing toward you all the people who you will point the finger at to claim, oh my God, they're so selfish because it will become a trigger for you. And it becomes a trigger so that you can actually identify that this is something that needs to be located in yourself. Every single quality that exists, every quality we see in another person exists within us as well. So anything we see in someone else exists here and both sides of it exist. So selfish and selfless. But the more we push something away, the more it's going to pop up around us. I honestly didn't think I could become any more obsessed with Beekeepers Naturals products, but I have. I don't know what it is about summer coming. I've changed my diet a little bit, but I'm going through these products like crazy because they are so delicious and so effective. And I notice a huge difference in my daily life when I take them regularly. If you are not yet harnessing the power of bee products, then you do not want to miss out any longer. I'm going to tell you about the products I use every single day. The first being Beekeepers Naturals Propolis Throat Spray, aka Nature's Antibiotic. Propolis is the immune system of the hive and has incredible germ-fighting properties. This is amazing for preventing any sicknesses from affecting you, just for supporting your immune system overall, for soothing sore throats and coughs, and for killing off candida overgrowth. It's also amazing for fighting against free radical damage during times of stress. So if you are stressed out, if you are really active, you're an athlete, if you travel a lot, if you're around a lot of people, then Propolis will be your best friend. I do about 10 sprays in the morning and in the afternoon, and I think it tastes delicious. I also use the Bee Powered Hive Superfood Complex every single morning. And let me tell you, this, this is so important for setting my day off on the right foot. Bee Powered combines all the superfoods of the hive in one product. So it contains the immune supportive propolis. It also contains royal jelly, which is amazing for nourishing your brain, boosting that brain power and beautifying your skin. It also has bee pollen, which is really energizing. And of course, their signature raw enzymatic honey. I spoon this in the morning and it's good to go. It's also a great pre-workout. And then for days when I need some extra brain fuel, I love the Beelixir brain fuel because it is a powerful nootropic that's all natural and it helps to enhance your memory, your performance, and your cognition, and it's totally caffeine-free. So if you are trying to limit your caffeine intake and you need something that's just going to boost that brain power, this is an amazing option. And as somebody who is a very high-powered entrepreneur and my brain needs to fire very quickly, I'm doing a million things all the time, this is a must. And of course, their signature raw, sustainably sourced enzymatic honey, full of antioxidants, love having this over some fruit in the morning. I also always take honey before I go to sleep just to support my sleep, refuel my glycogen stores. I love the Bee Chill Hemp Honey, which has some high potency hemp oil to really chill you out. And I also love their superfood cacao honey or a little extra chocolate. You know, if you're a chocoholic like me, you know, I only use the highest quality products and Peekeepers Natural is real deal. There is nothing better. And I am obsessed with these. I use them every single day. I really encourage you to listen to my podcast with Carly Stein, the founder, which is episode 206. You will learn so much about bees, 
the products and how to optimize your health. So if you want to try some Beekeepers Naturals products, then you can get 15% off with my code CRW. Just go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash CRW and you will get that 15% off. Again, that's beekeepersnaturals.com, B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S.com slash CRW and that code CRW will get you 15% off. And when you get your order in the mail, make sure you take a pic and tag me on Instagram. I think a lot of people are in the place where they realize, like, I'm a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I don't have boundaries. But it's a really hard jump to start changing that and to start drawing the boundaries. And so, you know, how do you, what would you suggest for someone who's like, okay, I understand I'm a people pleaser, but I just can't get out of this cycle. Where do I start? Right. So first of all, let me define boundaries. Mm -hmm. So Boundaries are the limits that we set around what we will or will not do, accept, or tolerate. So our boundaries are really identifying what's okay and not okay for us. And here's the thing. My boundaries are between me and me always, even if they involve another person. So the first thing that we have to really understand is that When we're in that heavy-duty people-pleasing mode or conflict-avoiding mode, we can't locate ourselves because we are so other-referenced that we've abandoned ourselves for the sake of the other. So we've already crossed our own boundary, our borderline from our territory into someone else's. So we're over there trying to make sure that everything's okay over there. And so... The very first thing that we need to do is find a way to locate ourselves. So simple things like the minute we notice the brain going to, what does he or she think? What do they need? What do they want? It's really important to redirect, to refocus the energy and attention back to the self. What do I want? What do I need? What do I think? Because we've actually given away those privileges to someone else. So the very first, the very beginning thing we have to do is be able to locate ourselves. And this can, this can be enhanced by really any kind of practice where we are coming into connection with ourselves, whether it's meditation or journaling or a hot bath or a walk, something that's actually going to bring us into the place of putting attention here first. So I always say that with boundary work, the the first invitation is, are you willing to give yourself permission to put your attention on your own needs, to make your own needs at least as much at least as important as you make everybody else's needs. Can you, can, you put, can you consider your own needs at least as much as you consider everyone else? And that's like baseline. And that is a, that's the place to begin. How can I consider my own needs at least as much as I consider everyone else? Because then it's going to go to how do you consider yourself, your, your needs more than everyone else? And then how do you consider your own needs first? Mm-hmm. So it's not about disregarding someone else's needs. It's always a both and. It's 
I can consider my needs and yours. Yeah. This reminds me of this quote my friend sent me. I forget exactly what it said, but it was basically a quote from someone famous saying that the purpose of this life is to do everything we can to serve other people. And she sent it to me and she goes, I get what they're trying to say, but I fundamentally disagree with this because this is why I'm such a people pleaser, right? And I'm never happy, right? Because if people are telling me the whole purpose of my life is to serve everyone else, I never serve myself. Right. I, I agree. Yeah. And then it comes, but it comes back to, I feel like people have this moral dilemma almost where they're like, yeah, no, I should care about myself. But then you have everyone else around you being like, no, like, you know, you should always serve other people. Um, and so I think part of it kind of gets into a deeper values issue and almost right. like my whole paradigm is shifting. And like, how do I cope with that? <laughs> and it is, it is a paradigm shift because it really is. It really, I mean, the way that most of us have been living is where is in such a way where we have not been at the center of our own world. Mm -hmm. And I'm really suggesting that the idea is that we want to actually be at the center of our own world. We want to make ourselves the priority in our own life. And from there, we are able, we're better equipped to serve. But here's the thing. I can't serve you if I'm empty. Mm -hmm. And if I serve you, from a place of obligation or responsibility, what good is that? You know, when we really tap into what's going on here in the way that we relate to one another, so much, so much interaction results in resentment. Mm. And resentment is a telltale sign that a boundary needs to be put into place. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I see this time and time again. Another thing that we can begin to do on a, on, a, on a small level where the stakes are low at first, start saying no. Mm. Because we go in to a request with a knee-jerk yes. Mm. And we go in with the yes from a place of obligation, responsibility. We go in from a place of, I don't want someone else to be angry or upset or disappointed. We go in with, with the yes from the place of, I want to show up and be the one and the only one who can do this. But the truth is, yes should only be linked to desire. Mm. So I often tell my clients, when a direct request comes in and you can say no off the bat, simply say no. We can talk about saying no in a minute. But if you can't say no right away, let the other person know you'll get back to them tomorrow. Mm. Because their urgency is not yours. And you get to build in some time so you can actually consider, is this something I desire to say yes to? And when we say no, here's something else. Most of us are used to saying no with a big apology and a whole bunch of excuses. So I'm a proponent of saying no with grace and gratitude without apology, without guilt, and without excuses. So a no can simply sound like, thanks so much for thinking of me, I'm not available. And the other thing I'll say here, tying together what we were talking about before in terms of selfish, and even saying no, 
is this idea of guilt. Mm-hmm. And I believe that when we feel guilt in this particular context, when we feel guilty in this particular context, it's really an indicator that we're on the right track. So if we feel guilty for saying no because we're standing in our truth or we're actually taking care of ourselves in a way that we need to, if we say no in those places, and we feel guilt, it's simply a wise part of ourself reminding us that we're honoring ourselves and it feels unfamiliar. And mm-hmm. we go, we immediately identify unfamiliar as discomfort. And then we say discomfort is bad and we want, we don't want to feel it. Mm-hmm. So part of this is also getting comfortable with the discomfort. Part of this is also recognizing that. We really need to start to learn how to choose ourselves. We really need to start to learn how to choose ourselves in these scenarios. What about preparing for potential backlash? Because I think when people start to draw boundaries, they might not realize that there's probably not, there might not be as much backlash as they expect, first of all. But sometimes when you pull your energy away from someone, like I know with my mother, right? When I draw a boundary, it's like, clawing at me for more, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you help support people through that process? Yeah. So two things I'll say. First is someone's response to our truth is not our responsibility to manage. Mm. The other thing I'll say is it's really important to understand what a boundary is and what a boundary isn't. So a boundary is not about wanting someone else to change. Mm -hmm. A boundary has nothing to do with someone else's behavior. So a boundary is not set by saying, you never, you always, I need you to. A boundary isn't about the other person. A boundary is about what's okay for me and what I'm going to do to take care of myself. So it's always up to us to set and maintain the boundary. So it's not, it's not anyone else's job to uphold, respect, or honor our boundary. And if a boundary is being crossed, we're the one who crosses it. Hmm. And often we cross the boundary in trying to make everything be okay with the person who we might feel is pulling away or is grasping because we're in the loop of what do I need to do or say to make everything be okay because we think that the goal of relationship is harmony. So really that's about codependency, mm-hmm. that if you're okay, I'm okay. That, that in other words, in, I need you to regulate me emotionally. But if I'm really clear in my boundary, and the other thing I'll say is, like I said earlier, my boundaries are between me and me, even if they involve another person. So I can choose whether to speak my boundary or not. If I speak the boundary and I don't uphold it, I'm the little girl who cries wolf. Mm. So in other words, you know, you brought up your mother and I'm, so I'm just bringing up an example of, you know, this is a common example I hear from my clients. So, you know, this is not, this is not the way to set a boundary. Mom, don't keep calling me while I'm at work, right? 
The boundary is, mom, I'm just letting you know that if you call me while I'm working, I'm not going to answer the phone. That's the boundary. Mm -hmm. So just letting you know, if you keep calling me while I'm at work, I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm available before 10 and after 6. That's when I'll answer. So it's very clearly stating what's okay for me, what's not okay for me, and what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. So if I answer the phone at noon, and I've, if, I've, if I've voiced this boundary and I answer the phone at noon, I'm clearly showing her that, I, that there's no reason to believe me. So this is why it's really important to get. You know, I have clients who say to me, I set a boundary, but he or she keeps crossing it. He or she will keep crossing it because it's not theirs to cross or not cross. It's the perception of them crossing it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're crossing your own boundary or you're allowing or enabling it to be crossed. Do you think that technology has played a role in our difficulty setting boundaries? Say more. I just think that with all of the notifications and feeling like we have constant access to everyone all the time, uh, I feel like sometimes it makes, it, it creates this sense of like, oh, there's availability all the time. Oh, like everyone else is working on my time, you know, and like often without people thinking about it, right? Where yeah, it can, so, yeah. Well, so it's interesting. I sent, I sent an email out this morning to my list about, you know, about something that's happening right now as we are in the midst of the pandemic and people are staying at home. And I've been hearing from people over and over saying, well, I can't, I can't, I can't avoid the phone or Zoom or (laughs) FaceTime because everyone knows I'm home. (laughs) And so it brings up a really, a really interesting point, this idea that I have to be on someone else's time. Mm -hmm. Or people say, I have no excuse they know I'm home, which brings up that, that in order to say no or in order to follow what's true for me, I need an excuse to lean on. Mm-hmm. So really, if the phone rings and you don't want to answer it, don't answer it. If someone says, you know, hey, do you want to get together for a Zoom at five o'clock and you really don't want to, you can simply say, you know, I'm not up for that. Mm-hmm. But that comes back to being able to be true to you instead. Here's the deal. You're either going to serve someone else's needs or serve your own. And that's the choice that you have to make. Mm -hmm. Whose needs am I going to serve here? And the more I serve someone else's instead of mine, the more empty I'm going to feel because I'm disconnected from what's true for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just think. I think for me also, just with the, all the notifications, mm-hmm. it's just easier for me if I don't see them. Like I just yeah. turn them off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I, when I go to bed at night, I put my phone in airplane mode. Mm-hmm. And I wake up in the morning, I meditate, I journal. I do, I do a whole series of things for myself before I ever put my Wi-Fi back on. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to wake up to all the notifications. Yeah. I don't want to wake up with the world coming at me. So I make a very conscious choice. I make a conscious choice around, around, especially right now, around news coming in, around media, around social media. We don't always have to be 
pinged every single time something's happening in the world or with a person that we know. Mm -hmm. So it's also really checking in around what really feels like your top priority and how do you honor that top priority. Yeah. I think this also relates back to saying I'm sorry all the time. And this is something I notice with all my friends and I'll be like, don't apologize. Mm -hmm. Like they'll say something like, sorry, but I can't. I'm like, don't apologize. Mm -hmm. Just say I can't. It's something I would definitely say is, has been embedded and ingrained in Mm -hmm. women. This, this apology, uh, sort of, it's like the default or knee jerk apology. And I agree. I also am I'm a constant refrain of there's nothing to be sorry for. There's no need to apologize. I think also just for me, like I always realize, I mean, when I set a boundary, I feel like it's just giving other people permission to set their own and other people are nervous too when they feel like no one else does. You know, it's like often in work situations, I work for myself, so I don't feel like I really deal with this, but other people will tell me, you know, no one, everyone else on my work is like available for email on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then they feel like they can't take the weekends yeah. off. I'm like, well, are they paying you for that? That's right. No. Right. That's right. So I, I want to kind of, I think it'd be helpful to maybe go through some like examples, like maybe starting with work situations and drawing boundaries in work situations, which I think for some people can feel difficult because they don't want their boss to get mad at them. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's really understanding that that's, that that's what's at the root is that, is that, we want to we want to stay out of fear and stay out of punishment, mm-hmm. but it's also looking at the way that we've allowed ourselves to be taken advantage of, the ways in which you know setting ba- setting very clear boundaries around availability, getting really clear on what on what the job requirement is and what you're being paid for, and being able to say no. And perhaps there's two different pieces. One is being able to say no. One is being able to offer another solution. Hmm. So it might, you know, if the boss is constantly saying, can you stay late tonight? Can you stay late tonight? Or something like that. You know, it might be like, no, I'm not available to stay late tonight. However, you know, I'll get this done first thing in the morning or whatever it might be. But not to feel that we have to say yes just because someone else wants us to do something. And, you know, in work scenarios, I'm a big proponent of having absolute clarity around what is, what is the contractual agreement around what you're being paid for and what you are producing. Hmm. And if you need to be in touch with HR around this, to do that depending on your circumstance. But, you know, it also comes up quite a bit with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about working corporate or working with a boss per se. I see this with my entrepreneurial clients quite a bit, that there isn't a clear delineation with their clients. They, you know, it's like they think they need to be available 24-7. Mm-hmm. And there isn't, an, there isn't a, an agreement already set up ahead of time around when I'll be available, what's the way, what's the best way to contact me here? You know, those kinds of, those kinds of scenarios around boundaries as well. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of ways that we can begin to put boundaries in place. Our boundaries are here to actually support us 
in being able to have a more fulfilling and satisfying life so we don't feel that we're at the mercy of other people all the time too. Also, what I'll say is that when we set boundaries, we're giving other people puzzle pieces to us. We're giving them parts of our operating manual. Mm. We're helping them know, we're helping them know us in a different way. We're giving them clues. And that can only lead to deeper connection. Can you explain that some more? Yeah. I mean, I'm sh- that if I show up in the truth of who I am mm. versus just saying yes, because I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. If I actually am willing to stand my ground or, sp- or stand in my truth or share some piece of what's okay and what's not okay for me, I'm giving you the opportunity to know me on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. So going back to maybe like corporate structure, you talk about like beginner boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was reading one of your blogs where you were talking about, you know, like that guy that comes into your like cubicle every day and it, like won't stop talking to you. Mm-hmm. So like, what's an example of a boundary someone could set in place with that person? And so again, it's not about telling the other person what to do. Mm-hmm. It's letting the other person know, hey, when you come to my cubicle, it's really distracting for me when I have to get work done. So I'm just letting you know that I'd love to talk to you another time, but I'm not going to be available to talk to you when you just pop over here. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then, so let's say you say that and they still keep popping over. And you could say, remember yesterday when I let you know that I'm not available, you might say it 27 times. Mm -hmm. Yep. You just keep saying it. You just keep saying it. So do you find with boundaries, a lot of this, I mean, I feel like setting boundaries goes back into just confidence, like self-confidence, right? And like doing that, that work where it's, it almost feels like it's, it would be more helpful to kind of go back and do the confidence work and then like the boundaries become a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, so it's, I mean, I would say it's sort of a catch. It's sort of, you know, two way street around boundary and confidence or excuse me, courage and confidence and boundaries, mm-hmm. because I think that they both reinforce yeah. the other boundaries, but, build confidence too. Right. But what I'll say is that two things. One is that we mostly are accustomed to thinking about boundaries as being restrictive or restraining. Mm-hmm or constraining. But I, I look at boundaries as being expansive. I look at boundaries as being the way that we are carefully choosing and consciously curating what we want to have in our lives. And so from there, if we can actually step into seeing that, oh, my boundaries allow me to have the fullest life, then mm-hmm. what begins to happen is We're not living a life where we're constantly setting boundaries because we're actually just beginning to live in alignment with what's true. Mm -hmm. And that to me is what, you know, freedom to me really is living in my truth, expressing my truth without fear. And boundaries are the bridge to that freedom. Boundaries are simply the way that I'm expressing the way in which I'm alignment with with my truth, that I'm in right relationship with me. I love that. I'm, I'm curious, what was the most life-changing boundary you ever set? Yeah, I mean, it was, and it was really the first boundary I ever set. Mm-hmm. And it was not going back after the fifth time that my ex-husband kicked me out of my house that I bought and paid for. 
And the fifth time, I did not go back. Mm. Wow. So, okay. Let's talk more about relationships. Uh, I'm curious, where is there like a certain area of people's lives that you find the boundary discussion like is most relevant for like what where they struggle most whether it be work relationships Uh, it's definitely intimate relationship okay interesting I think that's something a lot of people don't even don't really think about as a boundary I think people think about it in work and like with family but how does that show up in intimate relationships it shows up I mean even in even in something as as small so let me say it this way the way it shows up is in not expressing your own preferences and your own desires and acquiescing hmm. to someone else's. So even something like the most common, you know, question of what do you want for dinner tonight? And what's the most common answer? I don't care. What do you want? Right? Very true. So, you know, I'll often work with my clients around that's a place to begin checking in on your own preference. And to begin practicing naming a preference Mm -hmm. because a preference is going to grow into desire, but we first have to even connect with the fact that we have a preference because so many of us, especially the people pleaser, the peacekeeper, the conflict avoider, we just want to go along to get along. We -hmm. just, we, we don't want to actually name something. We just want to acquiesce. So part of this is also understanding that conflict is I don't think of conflict as bad. I think about conflict as an illumination of our differences. And yet so many, and again, I'll say especially women, don't think that there's any room for differences in intimate partnership. And so the truth is we can stay connected even in conflict. Even with differences, we can stay connected. Because really what's happening is when we're fearing conflict. So any relationship, intimate relationship, my relationship with my mother, any relationship is really to me about the foundation, the strength of the foundation to hold, your, to, to hold the truth of both parties. Can, mm-hmm. can we both be here in our truth and be held in our truth? So to me, the real fear of conflict is more about fearing the fact that the relationship itself won't hold unless I cross my own boundaries to be here. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. I think Mm -hmm. this is why uh, dating is so difficult in 2020. It's everybody's just... What do you want? Oh, well, you know, and so I I coach a lot of clients around dating. And, you know, the first thing I'll say to my clients is go on your date as you. Don't go on your date as a persona. Don't go on your date as someone you think he or she wants you to be, you know, and, and then the other piece of this is, and this is sort of like revelation or, you know, a revelation is go on your date believing that you are the picker and the chooser. What happens if you go on your date instead of wanting to be picked or chosen, instead of wanting the other person to ask you out again, what if you go on the date and you decide it's your job to decide whether you want more? It's Mm -hmm. a really different, it's a really big shift. 
Yeah, totally different energy. And they pick yeah. up on that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But I think that's why sometimes people I feel like will date for a while and like not even really get to know each other until way further in because the whole beginning is just please is like trying to please each other. And it yeah. is it's interesting. It's like not really just not showing up as your full self because everything's just neutral. Oh yeah, that sounds good. What do you want? Like, where do you want to go? Cool. Right. And then eventually things start to come out and you could have, you could have figured that out. From the yeah. Time. Or you show up and you know, you say you like things that you don't actually like, or you say you want to do things that you don't actually want to do. And then mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is like, however long, da- however long down the line, at some point you can't hold your breath anymore. Mm-hmm. So you've basically, you know, you've done a bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so many people are just nervous about the reaction and something, you know, that I think is hard for people to wrap their heads around is that we don't have to, like, we're not responsible for other people's reactions. Yeah. Like I said, someone else's response to your truth is not your responsibility to manage. Yeah. I think a lot of people hear that, but it's really hard for them to actually get out of the habit, you know, really. Mm -hmm. And And that's all it is. It's just a habit. It's mm. just a habit to put other people ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just a habit to put our attention on everyone else and what they need. You know, I, I share this metaphor. Uh, you know, it's like we're setting the table with like the fine china, the crystal, the silver, the big juicy steak or the big juicy tofu. And we make sure everyone has their seat and has everything that they need. And we stand in the kitchen over the sink in the dark, eating the scraps and the crumbs. And we think that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's a metaphor. And yet I have clients who will say, oh no, that's me. That's literal. But that's what we do. We don't bring ourselves into the center of the equation. We don't bring ourselves into a seat at the table. So Mm -hmm. I'm simply saying, set yourself a seat at your own table enter your life, inhabit your own life. Mm -hmm. What's, what's the most common question you get asked around this? Mm. Like, where do you feel like people struggle the most? I, like I said, I think, I still think it's uh, people struggle the most around relationship. Okay. I think people, I think that's where people seem, seem to struggle the most because they think that they have to be a certain way inside of a relationship for a relationship to work. And in fact, what you need to be in a relationship or a relationship to work is yourself. That, the, that what smooths things out is actually being true instead of trying to produce and manage everything, instead of going into the place of I have to protect or I have to manipulate mm-hmm. or I have to in somehow go over into your territory and take responsibility for you. Yeah. Something else, like, I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know, but I can only imagine how difficult this is like as a mother, right? Like again, not wanting to be selfish and how many mothers like put their kids first. Right. And that's what we're told. And I think a lot of moms might feel difficulty figuring out, okay, well, where's the line between like, yes, I want to take care of my kids, but also myself. Yeah. So I don't have kids either, but I coach a lot of moms. And again, that's an either or thinking. Either I take care of my kids or I take care of me. It's always the redirect back to the both and that you can actually take care of yourself and you can take care of your kids. It's not one or the other. 
And in fact, you're going to show up better for your kids if you take care of yourself and you're going to model better for your kids if you take care of yourself. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true too. It's like, you know, I think we, 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 we feel like we're stuck, you know, you might not want to change with the boundaries, but also going back to, you're giving other people permission to as well. I Mm -hmm. think that my difficulty with it was always because my, my parents never set any boundaries too. And it's having to relearn. Right. Sure. And I don't, you know, and I don't think, I really don't think any of us grew up first of all, knowing that we could have boundaries Mm -hmm. and we certainly weren't taught how to set healthy boundaries. So this is really new. This is really new territory. Mm -hmm. Why, why do you think society is, is like this? Like, why do you think that's so uncommon and it like upsets people so much? That boundaries upset people? Is that what you're saying? I mean, we, they, I, could, I could do a whole commentary on the patriarchy. I could, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's a lot of things, but I think, I think that most, and again, I'll say most women haven't really forced around asserting their own needs because we've disowned our own needs for so long in service of the needs of others. So part of it is actually, like I was talking about before, about disowning selfish. Mm-hmm. We've disowned needy. One of the worst things we can be called is needy. And yet we have to really step into the fact that, like we, that we have needs. And we also have to step into the ability to start meeting our own needs instead of expecting someone else outside of us to meet our needs. Yeah. And that relates back to the dating, right? Mm-hmm. The dating, yep. the family. So filling your own cup. Um, so tell me more about your most recent book. So the recent book is called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free, and it's a 10-step process that takes really all the way from the very beginning of being able to locate yourself, being able to identify your non-negotiables, create rituals, create routines that support you in making yourself a priority in your own life, all the way through being able to set you know, beginner boundaries and then ultimately the bottom line boundaries. So- and. I was going to say, and then, you know, really to live, as I was saying earlier, the goal here is that we're living in such a way that we're in alignment with ourselves. So we're not setting boundaries every day. We're just living. It's a lifestyle shift. Yeah. It's just like more awareness when you're first shifting the habit, right? And that's new habit. So what besides, uh, you talked a little bit about your morning routine. Are there any other rituals in your day that, that help you that are really important for you? I am a hiker. So I go out, I hike nearly every single day in Colorado and that's a big, that's a big part of my ritual and my routine. <laughs> beautiful Colorado. Yeah, I'm beautiful jealous. Beautiful Colorado. I also, older. yeah, I also have, um, you know, I also will take calls and the times that I, that I will take calls. So I have really, I, I keep, I keep to a, to a pretty um, tight schedule around that. Because I also need space for writing, dating. So uh, I've been really, I've been able to be really clear about things like that too. Yeah. I think that's a key one, especially entrepreneurs, if you're controlling your own schedule, because it's easy to let everyone call you whenever, no rhyme or reason to it. And you're actually far less productive if you're like switching tasks like that anyways. Even if you're taking the same number of calls and putting it in your time block, it helps a lot. 
Yeah, I agree. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really appreciative of this. I think a lot of people um, can really use this this help and information. And I think that people are definitely going to want to check out your book. So can you just remind my audience where they can find more from you if they want to connect further? Sure. Uh, Everything is on my website, nancylevin.com. So you can find out my books, my coaching programs, my social media, everything's right there. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much, Nancy. Thanks for having me. Huge thank you to Nancy for coming on the podcast. If you want to learn more from her, make sure you check out her book, Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. You can also find her at nancylevin.com and on Instagram at nancy underscore levin. Don't forget you can connect with other podcast listeners in our free Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. And if you want more behind the scenes content related to this podcast and my life, Make sure you follow my secret Instagram account at Wellness Realness Crew. All you have to do to get access to that account is DM a screenshot of your iTunes rating and review to that account, Wellness Realness Crew. Request to follow it. And when I get the DM of your iTunes rating and review screenshot, plus your request to follow on the account, Wellness Realness Crew, I will accept your request and you'll get access to all the juicy info. That's going to be it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next episode.